1-2. Swing and a drive toward right center. Back goes Robert. Back near the stands. That ball is gone. A game-winning home run for Chris Burrell. Can you believe it? Listen to this crowd. Welcome back to the Brotherly Cubs podcast. I'm Kyle. That's Steven. And... <laughs> Sup, Steve. <laughs> I tried to do that with a straight face. I was like, I'm gonna go in and just, you know, try to liven things up a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is our winter meetings edition of the podcast. We're recounting some updates here. Uh there's a few. There's quite a few updates in just in terms of signings from the last time we were on here. I'm going to run them down and then I'm going to get John's feedback on some of this and where the Cubs stand and all this. We've got Jared Kalenic to trade to the Braves from the Mariners. Craig Kimbrell signed the Orioles. Condelario went to the Reds. Three years, 45 mil. Eduardo Rodriguez went to the Diamondbacks, which I think is a solid deal for them. I was kind of hoping the Cubs would snatch him up even though he's got like a career four or something ERA, four years for 80 mil. Uh, the biggest news that did not happen at the winter meetings, but happened right after the winter meetings was uh, uh, first Juan Soto was traded to the Yankees with Trent Grisham, along with a few other uh, pieces that were traded from the Yankees to the Padres. They also got Alex Verdugo, so they signed. Uh, they traded for Verdugo, Grisham, and Soto, all in one, essentially, span of a week of each other. The Soto deal happened after the winter meetings or sort of came together right at the tail end. Uh, a couple other bits and pieces. Will Smith went to the, uh, to the Royals, which is unfortunate because I really wanted him. Another lefty gone. Andrew Schaaf into the Tigers. These are lefties that really wanted the Cubs. And the biggest news that did not happen at the winter meetings, but just happened only a couple days ago, Shohei Otani signs 10-year, $700 million deal with the Dodgers, which is unfortunate. The latest news that just came out was that the Cubs weren't even one of the three finalists. It was the Blue Jays, Angels, and Dodgers, which was a little shocking. But because of the price tag, that might have been why they bowed out. And the Athletic also continued to rain on our parade that the Cubs may be already out on Yamamoto based on the price. John, any thoughts on the winter meetings? Any thoughts on where you feel the Cubs fan base is standing right now? I just think like a lot of us, we were pretty bored. You know, there's nothing. There's not a whole lot of uh, activity, at least from the Cubs side of things. In general, there wasn't a whole lot of activity. So we were just kind of left pondering, well, what's next or when maybe tomorrow tomorrow will something happen and then of course you know otani not signing until was it saturday i think so yeah saturday waited all the way till saturday to figure out oh i want you know i want to sign with the dodgers for 700 million i think all along he really wanted to sign with them yeah so i don't know if it was really a competitive balance i think it was always going to be the dodgers i think it was just for how much and did you see that blue jays banner that they recently hung up <laughs> we almost signed otani or something like that 
<laughs> no, it was like uh, we were used as leverage or something like that. Yeah, that so sounds like, like what the Cubs are in a sense. I I'm trying to think who else that we've been used that we've sort of created leverage for you know other teams. It it just feels that way because the the Cubs have missed out on some signings. Uh, they missed out on Juan Soto. We mentioned here, even though the Yankees had been close with Soto during the winter meetings, mm. and honestly. We hadn't heard anything in the last couple weeks or so about Soto. So that really fell off. And we're hearing more and more that the Glassnow deal is not, not a set in stone thing. And yeah. honestly, from my opinion, I do think it feels good to be out on Otani finally. That way we're not stuck in. However, yeah. I thought a couple of deals were going to shake loose. I still... Yeah think that Reese Hoskins will sign with the Cubs on a like a two-year $40 million deal. I just saw that that uh the Phillies actually rejected sending out extending the qualifying offer to Hoskins, which makes sense because he tore his ACL in April last year. He's almost came back in October. He was close. They failed to extend that offer of 20 mil per year. I think the previous year is 19. So they didn't even extend it. So a lot of times a team will extend it knowing that the, the Cubs extend a qualifying offer to Cody Bellinger. They, they extend it knowing that, okay, well, let's say the Blue Jays or Giants or some other team signs Bellinger to outlandish contract. Well, Hey, we extend the qualifying offer. So they signed with another team. We get a, this happened to Contreras too last year. Mm -hmm. We get a second round draft pick from whichever team signs him. It's like, great. So the Cubs, I'm sure they're probably also looking at that too. And that probably helps them, you know, go after Hoskins. Hey, he didn't even get a qualifying offer. So we can sign him for just money. That's where I'm getting the two for 40 from two years, mm -hmm. 20 million per year. I think that they could go out and get him at that price because they they he literally missed out on a contract for 20 million. Imagine yeah. them coming back. They literally did have Cody Bellinger last year. Bellinger rejected a qualifying offer and got signed a pillow contract with the Cubs. It was a little bit more than that offer. So mm -hmm. the Cubs would be duplicating that efforts with Hoskins this year, another first baseman. Mm -hmm. Offensively, the Cubs need a left-handed bat. There's not a lot of those available right now i don't think there ever was mm -hmm. i'm just doing a quick rundown of all my thoughts on uh, yeah. what can the cubs get right now and i'm not sure if you have any thoughts but i i kind of like the idea of the the guardians trade for a pitcher and josh naylor yeah i mean absolutely you're talking about shane bieber of course josh naylor i think he's you know, solid hitter. He's not going to break the bank if you, you know, try to extend him. Um, there was another post that I had seen. I'm going to see if I can bring it up maybe when um, throughout this podcast, I'll kind of mention just some names. But yeah, you know, you said Will Smith is now gone. Um, Bummer. I Andrew, Andrew Chafin, again, former Cub, mm -hmm. gone. And they're going to... Where did Chafin sign? I know the Royals signed Will Smith. Tigers. Chafin oh, went Tigers. Tigers. That's right. AL Tigers, Central man. teams are beating us. I mean, this that's is... that's insane. Yeah, I mean, solid solid relievers, you know, in their own right that have a proven track record. And so 
maybe These they're are... putting their money on, you know, pitchers such as Luke Little that mm-hmm. can make an impact that won't cost a whole hell of a lot of money, even though they didn't really cost a whole hell of a lot of money for, you know, their other teams. It was like what four four point five million dollars or something like that for yeah like I mean Andrew Chafin these are these are signings you're gonna have to make regardless uh, there this is something you can make at any time of the offseason you don't have to wait for the the seventy million dollar man which um just to tie a bow in the Otani thing I know mm-hmm. I wanted to spend a little bit of time on it and it's honestly it's more exciting just talking about the Cubs so I think majority of your time here will be about the Cubs. But the Otani thing was a big deal because that, that would have t- been two birds, one stone, a lefty bat, a pitcher for the foreseeable future. That's a question mark still. Two Tommy John surgeries. He can still throw 97. He's got a sweeper, by the way. It's nasty. He doesn't just have a slider. He has a disgusting sweeper. And I think he has a splitter like every other Japanese pitcher. But the Otani deal was interesting because the Dodgers were very creative and they gave him not $70 million a year. That's what we think of when we just read these numbers and do some Mm -hmm. basic long division. The more complicated math of it was something called net present value, which I think literally the entire baseball community besides front offices started to learn about that this weekend in that. I don't know. So we don't have the official deal yet because Otani needs to be on the 40-man roster. The Dodgers have mm-hmm. been full 40-man. So they have to create spots for Joe Kelly and Shohei Otani. So they're working on getting a trade to get him onto the team. And then once the signing's official, we'll get more details. But there's mm-hmm. a theory that, I guess it's not a theory, Jeff Passon reported it, that the mm-hmm. AAV, the average ended value, should be between 40 and 50 million. Mm-hmm. So there's some thoughts out there that in order to do that, you wouldn't just pay, you know, it's not paying $70 million every year to get mm-hmm. a lower value. You would essentially defer a lot of his money. So, so in essence, he may get a 30 year, I want to say a 30 year contract. He'd play for 10 years. He can retire whatever he wants to do. They continue to pay him essentially like a Bobby Bonilla type, uh, 30 or 40 years. And then if you pay him $10 million a year for 30 years, that's $300 million. That's crazy. It's crazy, but <clears throat> it, the price tag in it of itself is crazy. And there, I think we see that and we think, Oh, there's no way they can afford to do anything else. If they only spent 40 million on Otani, mm-hmm. if they're in the 200, they could still go out and spend up to maybe 260, 270 per year. They could still get Yamamoto glass. Now the 20 to $30 million. Mm-hmm. or more per year and still still probably be okay. And they have an insane offense now too. So they maybe only want one more pitcher, especially knowing that Otani is going to be there in 2025. They want to pair Bueller with Yamamoto with Otani. But just the deal that that happened was totally insane. It totally caught all of us off guard. I think we all thought 600 million went up by hundred million. So he didn't get a share of the team, but he certainly got a lot more money. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to end that conversation because I'm done with the Otani stuff. Congrats to him. <laughs> and I'm hoping the Cubs pull out an incredible off season. And I'm, I'm really liking the possibility of getting Reese Hoskins at first base. Although mm-hmm. the trade with the guardians is what I really liked aside from if they resigned Bellinger at an affordable deal, which would probably be next month. 
based on the market cooling way off, some teams are going to have to find their way out of the mix, like the Blue Jays. Hopefully the Giants don't get too desperate, and hopefully his his deal gets closer to $200 million or maybe a little less, and the Cubs are able to do that. And I think it's worth it because I've thought about this for a little bit now because there's been zero moves, everybody. It's been the lack of winter meetings, not the winter meetings. There's very There were very few meetings happening this last week. But Bellinger fits the team still, even with PCA. The reason why is because, okay, PCA is a left-handed bat. Left-handed bat. Hmm. Cody Bellinger is a left-handed bat, and he plays right. first base. If PCA got hurt, Cody Bellinger slides into center with no problem. If PCA needs time to develop, Bellinger is sliding in at center. If if you have any hiccups or any issues with PCA, Bellinger is there and he's your essentially a gold glove level center fielder. Now, PCA is a better defender, but there's no other star center fielders on the market aside from Bellinger. If PCA is dominating, he's up there, he's getting hits, stealing bases, stealing home runs. If that's your guy in center or when that happens, it's more a matter of when than if for PCA, legit mm -hmm. prospect. Bellinger can still take over making how much ever he is, $30 million a year at first base. That could be your first baseman for the future. The Cubs don't have someone on that team right now that's saying, well, I'm the first baseman. Matt Mervis played really well in AAA. You still need to give him time. And if you give him time, you're almost punting on the season. That's the problem. You don't know what you have with everyone. And that's why a trade makes all the more sense. All these mm -hmm. fringe pieces you could trade in for someone else. And that's why I'm hoping the Cubs were to get Josh Naylor if they can't get Bellinger. Yeah, Josh Naylor, left-handed bat, you know, plays first base, um, 17 home runs. You know, he's got a little bit of pop to him. I think I was looking up his – yeah, so he's um, he has an 800, 842 OPS. Um, and he hit 308, which is good for sixth um, in the American League. Wow, 308 gets you sixth now? <clears throat> 308 gets you sixth. That used to get you like 15th or 20th. No, yeah, man. It's wow. times are tough. Times are tough. Well, it's more I, so I do have some if if I may, if I inter if I may interject. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um locked on cubs, you know, did a really good job. The recent post is about two hours ago on on X. They said, uh, you know, left-handed starting pitchers. Obviously, I mean they're they're not really including Blake Snell, but Imanaga, Montgomery. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll go into Montgomery and Snell. Kind of, um, I like to go head to head with them um, on my spreadsheet. Flaherty, right-handed starting pitchers. Flaherty, Lorenzen. I mean, not great. No, um, Lorenzen is not a good pitcher. Flaherty was good with the Cardinals. I don't know the last time. Fangraphs will tell us the last time he was solid. So these are realistic, realistic free agents for the Cubs, like guys who would probably take a deal for the Cubs. Yeah, so sure. yeah, a Flaherty's he had he had a pretty good couple seasons in the you know when he first started out, but he just I don't know he's kind of flamed out recently. First base, you know Brandon Belt, Reese Hoskins, uh, Carlos Santana, obviously Hoskins we've mentioned would be a good fit there. Um, Possibly two-year deal, like you said, maybe one year. The first year, 
you know, maybe 20 million, 20 million second year, maybe player option for maybe a little more, a little bit more, or if he did, you know, fairly well, he could hit the open market kind of like a Cody Bellinger. You could also see what you have in Matt Mervis and see, you know, is he ready to take over first base? So. My only, I'm glad you brought those up. It's interesting to think about if Stroman would have opted in and the Cubs just swung and missed at all these pitchers, then I'd be okay with taking a flyer on a cheap deal for Jack Flaherty. Looking at his numbers, however, his ERA was last, the last time he had a, a sort of a dominant ERA was 2018 to 2019. Consistently, mm -hmm. I should say, you know, a two-year span. He did have a 3.22 ERA in 2021. So really that was his last good year. Mm -hmm. It's been two full seasons where he's been, you know, below average and then terrible last year. He had a five year, right? But getting another Jamison Tyone. The thing about Flaherty, however, is that he has a career 10 strikeouts per nine innings strikeout rate. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. And a 3.4 walks per nine, which in essence is like giving up a couple walks in an outing and like yeah, a quality bad. start. Yeah, it's really good. The underlying numbers I, I believe are good. Bat batting average with balls in play was 356 last year, which just means he's getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. And essentially with Flaherty, I'm not entirely sure. I know that, and then again, looking at his whip numbers here, 1.61 and 1.58 the last couple of years. So he's just getting destroyed out there essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I just I I kind of like the second half of what they had posted. I mean, they had <laughs> so, so basically, yeah. If you see the post um again from Locked On Cubs about a couple hours ago, um the DH they list the left-handed, right-handed starting pitching, first base DH, left-handed relief, right-handed relief. So DH they have Mitch Garver, Martinez. Well, I guess it's that's uh, yeah. JD, Mar JD Martinez. Jorge Soler, which again, I've mentioned, I've talked to you about that before. That'd be great. I think he at least adds some power to your lineup, kind of like I, a, an Adolis Garcia type. Oh, yeah. I'm starting to um, come around to the Jorge Soler idea because he can play center. Mm -hmm. And however, he's kind of just like another Alexander Canario, like a right-handed bat, power, um, a solid defender. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if Canario was a good defender. I, I think I've seen him make some good plays, but I don't think he's like a top-rated defensive prospect right. Soler would be neat because he could sort of step in i wonder if Soler could even play first like shoot do like a do your like mock cody bellinger play first and center like that's super valuable i know in center field having a guy like that there the cubs will then have talkman and canario and mm -hmm. Soler. that's a little bit i want to say it creates a log jam because it doesn't quite do that you put talkman at iowa but mm -hmm. I like the idea because he's got a really he's got really good power. He's also kind of like Morel. I know he strikes out more. He's mm -hmm. got power. The idea of putting Morel at third is really enticing to me because then like the list we had there, it's a little bit easier to get through that list. Put Solaire, let's say at DH or center, Morel at third, and then Hoskins or Turner or Martinez. Martinez actually had a good year. I don't have his fan graphs in front of me, but I, I thought he had over 30 home runs. Mm -hmm. So if the Cubs were to theoretically go out and land Soler and J.D. Martinez to play center and first, Morel plays third, 
you would then have Ian Happ as a switch hitter mm -hmm. and a dash of Mike Talkman in center, getting some spot starts or DHing, whatever you want to do. That's two lefty bats. And that's it. <laughs> and then whenever PCA comes out, so you'd have two lefty bats. And this is the problem. These guys come in a premium lefty power bats. So right. I think it's still likely the Cubs <laughs> just go out and find a trade. And there's still there it's still on the table to get a pitcher and a hitter. I'm not entirely sure how likely that is. Mm -hmm. They have to give up a lot. But there's a lot of power to be had on the market. It's just all right-handed. So if you get some stud right-hand pitcher, mm -hmm. Exhibit A, Shohei Otani, who has like a nasty sweeper. I hate to bring his name up again, but I just did. That's Yeah, let's stop. <laughs> Zach Wheeler, any any really good pitcher that's got, let's say, a wipeout sweeper, Spencer Strider, guys like that. High cut, they call it like a cut right fastball, but a really good fastball that plays well in the zone and a dominant slider. And then you've got seven right-handed bats. They might get chewed up that game, and that's yeah. the difficulty in having way too many of one hand. You also don't want to have seven lefties. That doesn't ever happen. Mm -hmm. But if you only have, you need to have balanced the lineup. And so the Cubs eventually will get PCA in center, and then again, mm -hmm. it happened left, but you'd like to have the first baseman be a lefty. And that way you have three and then maybe your DH is lefty, you know, four, once you get to that point. So I could see the Cubs giving Mervis an opportunity at some point, especially in spring. But if they give him an opportunity to play first for the team a lot in 2024, that means they're sort of banking on PCA succeeding, Talkman succeeding, Mervis succeeding. It's a lot of question marks, especially for a team that just signed Craig Council to the richest manager contract. I do hope they make some big moves, especially we mentioned Jordan Montgomery. Mm -hmm. To me, if the Cubs can't make a trade for Glasnow or Beaver, I like the idea of pairing Steele with Montgomery and Imanaga. That's three lefties, and you got Wicks. Just get all five lefties out there in the rotation. <laughs> uh, Montgomery and or Imanaga, preferably to get both because they're not going to be super expensive. Right. You're going to spend the money, but mm -hmm. when Tyone comes off the books, thinking about your rotation of Steele, Montgomery, and Minaga. Montgomery would just pitch to an ace level for the Rangers. And Minaga, we're not sure he has a lot of strikeouts with, with in the Japanese league, the NPB. There's a lot to like there, at least. There's a lot of Japanese pitchers on the market right now. but mm -hmm. Not to mention Matsui. Uh, yeah, the closer. I mean... Left-handed, uh, yeah. So, I mean... I like that, too. It just depends on... The Cubs are not privy to spending any money on the bullpen. I think they'd rather right. spend on starters, especially because Hendricks is off next year. Mm -hmm. And Stroman's Rinse. gone. you got to replace Stroman. And I, I think they'll at least get one of Montgomery or Minaga because they saved 20, $25 million mm -hmm. on... Oh, no, it was a $21 million option i honestly can't remember stroman off it out so stroman's on the market too so the cubs i think will fill that stroman spot with a 20 to 25 to 30 million dollar pitcher mm -hmm. now i don't think it'll be blake snell because there hasn't been any rumors out there but that would be the best signing they could make 21 million yeah they 
they saved 21 million on Strowman. Right. So, and again, his money's off the books. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, 16 million will be off the books in 2025. To me, they can make all of these moves and they could also get, for instance, Brandon Woodruff on a, like a rehab deal, a two-year deal. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much it'd be worth, but getting him on a deal in which he sits out this year, he rehabs, he's not going to pitch at all, could pitch potentially at the end of the year, but that's like a big if. Mm -hmm. Rehabbing from a shoulder surgery that Kyle Hendricks had, so the Cubs proved that they could rehab Hendricks and give him a good role, mm -hmm. give him a ton of innings, and he ate, ate the innings, he ate out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Brandon Woodruff, with literally either one of Montgomery, thinking about 2025, Steele, Woodruff is essentially like a two or an ace, and then Montgomery, you'd have some bulldogs out there, some guys who can really pitch, really get strikeouts, pitch in high leverage situations. I, I really like that Montgomery has done that recently, doing that. I think he pitched for the Yankees but in the playoffs, but I know he pitched for the Rangers this last year very successfully. And that kind of runs important to a team health and that clutch factor, being able to step up in big spots. If the Cubs compare multiple pitchers in this off season together to strengthen the starting rotation, that one through three, mm -hmm. they should still also do a deal where they can add someone for 2025 as well. Like Brennan Woodruff. Yeah. By that time he should be ready to go. Definitely. And if they don't do that, I guess they're betting a lot on Kate Horton, but I've also heard a couple rumors that the Cubs are not going to win the off season. They're going to, they didn't use the term intelligent spending, which is just a cop out, but right. They did say they didn't need to win the off season, which you don't want to hear. And they also said they were going to think about this as like a two off season. So I, I actually believe that, They'll try to sign guys. If they fail, they'll mm -hmm. still make some smart decisions or some really like solid additions to the team. Yeah, I just want to be better. I just, <laughs> I just want to be better. I, think, I don't. It's, I don't have to. We don't have to win the World Series, although it'd be great. Obviously, mm -hmm. I just want to make the playoffs. I just want to be better at this point. I think, I think playoffs. Yeah, especially now with Council, he'll stretch it out at least maybe five or six wins extra from what you had last year um just to kind of finish up that post real quick and then i'll anything else that you want to say i'll let you say it <laughs> Suter, brent Suter, don't forget about him yeah um, that that makes a lot of sense to me and that's why i mentioned i've mentioned woodruff like several times now brent Suter, josh yeah, Hader I mean, makes sense like the average fan does. Like, i want josh Hader on my team <laughs> i won't get him like you've already it's seen the average the average fan. I don't care. I don't care what he costs. I huh. want Josh Hader. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my money. It's not my money. Yeah, exactly. There, there are real penalties to going over the luxury tax multiple years. There's real penalties going over the second threshold, which is 200 and close to 260 million. Yeah. So it involves losing draft picks. Yeah. Where are the Dodgers? Where, where are the Dodgers at at that point? <laughs> like, I kind of want to know, are they over the that? Padres and the Yankees. And one, I think the Mets, there's three teams this year that the Cubs actually moved up due to those teams losing some of their first round. I shouldn't say lose. Those teams dropped down their first round pick. So 
in essence, you do get penalized. Mm-hmm. However, it's not some kind of stroke of death or kiss of death where you lose your first round or second round, like both. Mm-hmm. You'll lose you'll lose a little bit of your spot in the first round for the draft. Yeah. But you could still draft in the 20s and be fine. Yeah. So they need to take that approach. And I think they will because money will come off the books. We've mentioned 2025, they could be more aggressive. Especially when Tyone comes off the books. I'm not saying he's a waste of money, but you'd much rather give Tyone's like rotation spot to a young up-and-coming pitcher who's going to make a million dollars versus him yeah. 17. And now we don't know what we got from him based on this last year. Right. You see all these videos of him putting in the work and, you know, oh, if I if I focus on this release point or if I shift the weight on my back foot, you know, like, dude, I hope it translates because you started out like shit and that cost us at least like three or four wins. I mean, yeah, I mean, at least probably more. Yeah. Um, So and again, sorry, just to finish up that list, they going back to back to the relief pitchers they had on there for locked on Cubs was uh, Nerys. So Hector Nerys from the Astros and mm-hmm. um, right-handed pitcher. And then uh, Stevenson from the Rays. So some great. So there's, there's some, some solid, not like, you know, truly impact type talent that Otani is, but I mean, there's still some solid additions that you could put to your team for 2024. Yeah, I mean, do you want Imanaga? Like, do you think that's the next domino that that should fall for the Cubs, or do you think it's Hoskins? the The biggest thing for the Cubs right now is a power bat, since they just lost Bellinger. Mm-hmm. But that's one A. I think one B close behind it is a starting pitcher. Okay. So I almost view Imanaga as a consolation. And if the Cubs are already out on Yamamoto, mm-hmm. which is frustrating, but understandably he's a 25 year old and he's dominant at MPB. Mm-hmm. If the Cubs were to just get Imanaga right away, I'd be a little confused because there's better talent out there. I'd almost rather Imanaga fall to us. It's just going to depend on his market. I, right. The last I saw, I thought he had sort of a, I don't want to say lower budget teams, but in reality, not the high spenders are going after him, and he's still good, and he's lefty starter. Mm-hmm. It's not bad to have a lefty starter like that. So I I would like Imanaga, but I almost view him as a complimentary piece or a consolation prize. It's like, oh, we got to get somebody. You can still trot out their Steel, Imanaga, Hendricks. Wicks was pretty solid last year. Assad's going to get some run. And then Tyone, if he improves, will be a fine back of the rotation starter. And then you're going to depend on, if you only get one starting pitcher, you're going to depend heavily on like Wicks and Assad, mm-hmm. Hendricks maintaining what he did last year. And then obviously, either Ben Brown or Caden Horton to come up hopefully early on in the year, middle of the year and immediately give you quality. And I I think they'll give us quality innings. Maybe it's in the bullpen right away just to get their feet wet. It might take some time. You don't want to throw those guys into the fire and have them pitch six innings consistently. So I'm excited for those arms, but I don't want to just Mm -hmm. sit there and depend on them. 
Right. If they can become supplements, not mainstays, their time should be in the future, not 2024. They should be able to, okay, maybe Jordan Wicks. I could see him being an important piece of the rotation. I think he has not an extremely high ceiling, mm -hmm. but he's got a solid floor because he's got a good changeup. He throws five or six pitches, mm -hmm. ends it very well. He's not going to get beat up on walks. He doesn't get hit super hard. He's like a left-handed, faster Kyle Hendricks. He throws good breaking pitches. Jordan Wicks is what you want in the Cubs rotation as a guy to eat innings. So there are guys to eat innings, but what we need is swing and miss. And really, even if it's just adding one guy like that and they're dominant, mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. But I prefer it be, you know, one of Snell or Mon Montgomery. So this is a perfect segue into my little uh, comparison between the two that I have here, if you wouldn't mind. So looking at those two with Snell, I mean, he led the walk, he led the MLB in walks, which to me is incredible. He had 99 walks. What's interesting about him is that he's able to work out of that and he has good walks versus bad walks. So he's walking people in the right situations. He has 234 strikeouts and 180 innings, which is insane. Really so he good. led the MLB. He's the first pitcher to lead in both walks and strikeouts since 1913. <laughs> That's insane. Wow. Second highest whiff rate to only Spencer Strider. Mm -hmm. So, and of course he won the Cy Young. Is he going to cost an arm, leg, an arm and a leg? Yeah, of course he is. I mean, mm -hmm. he's an ace level pitcher. I, Jordan Montgomery. Okay. So yeah, he's a world series champ. You know, he's got, a, he's got the experience of pitching in the postseason. He's 23rd in whip last year. Um, so not great. Not amazing, but it's pretty solid. 30th in opponent's average, which I don't know what that was exactly. Um, and then, of course, then he's he was 3-1 and one in the playoffs, but he did lose game, game two to the Diamondbacks. Um, he did kind of get beat up a little bit. But um, very solid pitcher. Again, you know, both lefties. I think I, I would probably, you know, prefer Snell over Montgomery just because I feel like we need an ace level. I feel like Jordan Montgomery is, is we have a bunch of those. You know, I mean, as far as impact um, pitching on um, maybe a three or a four level, I think Jordan Montgomery on a World Series team is probably like a three. Mm -hmm. Especially if DeGrom comes back, um, maybe Scherzer, you know, Eovaldi. I mean, they have a deep rotation. I would think at best he's probably a level three. He's probably going to resign with the Rangers um, at a, you know, Home hometown discount type of um, deal. Snell, I hope. I mean, I hope we're at least in the conversation for him. Um, but he he might sign. From what I'm hearing, is with the Giants or the um, someone else West Coast team. I don't know if it was the Padres again. Maybe resign with the Padres. I don't think he'll resign with the Padres because they had to trade Soto to cut payroll. I think they're viewing Snell as cutting payroll too. Yeah, but so you, so then you'd be talking about you know the Giants are going to have money um, if they don't get Yamamoto. So what you what are your thoughts? Who would you rather have? We only have obviously a few minutes left, but Jordan Montgomery still had around a one point two WHIP. He doesn't have as high of a strikeout rate; it's closer to twenty one percent. So if I'm the Cubs, I prefer Blake Snell, but the reason I prefer him is because of his strikeout rate, 
the walk rate mm -hmm. kind of is a little bit alarming. You could see some regression maybe if he's not able to, you know, lock down those those innings in which he's giving up walks, like a five walks per nine is extremely high. However, right. the homers per nine is less than one. And so he's not getting hit out of the ballpark, which helps him quite a bit. Right. His good stuff. He's got a high, high, what, mid 90s fastball, right? Yeah. I mean, 31% strikeout rate versus 21% for Montgomery. So I could I could see Montgomery as a constellation to Snell and then Nimanaga somewhere the third there mm -hmm. among those as three. A C, as like a C right here. Like that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And Montgomery He could dominate too. He could have a really great career in the United States. I mean, you never know. Yeah. So. Lefty with a splitter, that's kind of a rare thing you don't see a lot of. Mm -hmm. Montgomery to me would be still solid he's not gonna he's gonna have really good value maybe five for 100 or four for 80 yeah so i think that's fair you always take that deal because you'd be getting a really good pitcher yeah and if he slots in as your number three he's a really good number three and if kate horn becomes your number two or you make a big push next offseason and get a number two steel plus another low another ace level pitcher plus montgomery that's incredible yeah. And Kate Horton as a number four. The goal would be to have Kate Horton and Ben Brown sort of in the back end. Because mm -hmm. then you'd just be dominating with strikeouts. You'd be striking out everybody. So, what are your thoughts? I'm curious to know your thoughts real quick on uh, Matt Chapman before we leave here. Do you think they need to sign him? Or do you think they could just let Madrigal or Mastroboni cook at third, given I'm the okay. fact that... yeah, I'm okay with Matt Chapman on like a two-year 40 or two for 35 no mm -hmm. more than a three-year deal because I want to see what the farm system can bring with third baseman, especially Matt Shaw, who right. grows up really fast. At least want to see Matt Shaw and what he can do in 2024, 2025. So that's why I give him a two-year deal and then like a team option for the third year. Mm -hmm. In case Shaw got injured, you'd want Chapman. His defense is good. His hitting isn't as great, and you definitely want more power hitting. So, All right. But yeah, it's definitely an option down the road. But this has been the Brotherly Cubs podcast. We're really sad about Shohei Otani. We're really excited for free agents to finally sign. It is, it feels like December 48th, but it's December 10th here. I was recording. Have a great Merry Christmas, everyone. See you later.